to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaefer. Each week you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. So we're live August 24th, Friday, Seattle, smoky Seattle. Smoky. Although it's no, getting it's better. It's getting better. Yep. I was actually amazed. The, uh, my wife and her sister were reading the internet last night and freaking out that it's still hazardous in the air. And oh, is it? Being outside for more than half an hour is like smoking six cigarettes. Holy Toledo. Yeah. So um, when I came in this morning, there was a lot of people with masks on yeah, walking I'd outside the convention that. center. Yep. And I was like... That makes a lot of sense. Yes, it does. Because you don't muck around when people would say something's hazardous. Yeah. No, that's that's scary. Um, so we're at SharePoint Fest Seattle. Yes. And I'm here with Julie Turner. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, no, thank you for inviting me, Jeremy. So, it's um, always wonderful. I guess, how would you introduce yourself? 30 seconds, go. Uh, my name is Julie Turner. I work for Simpraxis Consulting, which is a small two-person consulting firm, myself and Mark Anderson, the Mark Anderson. Uh, and we work out of the Boston area. Um, just doing a lot of SharePoint and Office 365 and Azure customizations, we'll call them. And how I've known of you in this space for a while, but like career wise, how long have you been doing this? So I started off being internal IT, like maybe yeah. a lot of people do, you know, being a development developer, you know, on a team, internal IT team, and mostly in the pharmaceutical uh, industry. Oh, okay. So, you know, generally that. Um, and then I got, I ended up as a director of IT of a um, medical device contract research organization yeah. and realized that we needed sort of some way to manage the organization. I was a department of one and heard about SharePoint. This was 2007, SharePoint yeah. 2007, and said, you know, that I think is going to work for our organization. And I hired uh, a small consulting firm in the Boston area and kind of got started with it. Um, and then that was kind of, I'm like, you know what? I'm sick of being internal IT. I want to mm -hmm. do this like as a consultant where I can keep changing every time, you know, every job I work on is going to be something Some different, different and, point. Right, and yep. something new to learn, yep. which is pretty much the most fun about being a consultant. And always development, it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've been developing since I was literally six years old. So what was your first language? Uh, it was um, basic yeah. on the Apple IIe. And then Hardcore. I learned, yeah. And I went to computer camp when I was six what? and there was a, yeah. And so, and I'm old enough that this was a yeah. very long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I was literally like sitting in the, you know, the row with my computer in front of me with a bunch of middle-aged men yeah. and like, you know, my feet don't touch the floor and they're all kind of like, what <laughs> is going on? And I'm like, do, do, do. Here we go. All right. So, well, yeah. now when Scarlett goes, I don't want to go to code camp, dad. Well, Julie went to code camp. I did go to code camp. And uh, so, yeah. So after basic assembler. And then um, Pascal. So you always knew from a very young age you were going to be a developer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I did in school. I rewrote their attendance system in grade school. Wow. Yeah, out. so super geeky from huh. day one. Um, and being SharePoint came across your radar, the pharmaceutical company you're at, were they like a Microsoft wheelhouse customer Yes, because well? I was. Uh, they were a startup when I yeah. joined. So I built 
the IT department from right. scratch by myself. So yeah. I knew the Microsoft stack. So I was going, was Microsoft. yeah, so it was, you know, I had to learn servers and infrastructure and be an IT pro for a little bit, which, yeah. um, to be honest, when I joined and did, took on that role, I was like, oh my God, I've got to do IT pro. I mm -hmm. got to know what I'm doing. And I was really nervous about it, but it, it worked. So, so you've been on this journey with, I guess, being from 2007 of farm-based solutions. Yes. And yep. then the add-in world. Yeah, because before, keep I was always full stack yeah. dev, right? So doing ASP.NET web pages. So you were already comfortable getting into farm exactly. solutions. Exactly. Yeah. So that stuff so felt natural progression. really It was, was exactly the same journey I had into yeah. SharePoint dev as well. Yeah, the only hard part yeah. is the deployment, right? In yeah. 2007, you're like, oh, I'm writing this Yeah, scheme. X copy to where? Yeah. And yeah, Carsten that, Koopman is who? Oh. I, I almost avoided it. I'm like, where, wait, Whatever wait. happened to Carsten, we should really go and find out where he is these days. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so then obviously the add-in solutions and then I obviously SPFX. skipped add-in solutions. How did you manage to skip it? Because I was marketing for that for a long time. I had a baby. That's a really good excuse to skip <laughs> it. That would happen. No, too. so well, so I had um, I had my son right before the SharePoint conference that was in the fall that introduced 2013. Right, okay. And so up until then, all the clients we had obviously were either 2007 or 2010. So I was in consulting at this point. I was yep. working at Blue Metal. And so all the clients we have were either 2010 um, or 2007 in Ergo Farm Solutions. Yeah. And so then I had my child yeah. and I was out for four months and I yeah. came back and I was behind the eight ball because I didn't go to the conference and I didn't learn the add-in model. Right. So you and so I got sort stuff. of behind and they were like, well, you don't know the add-in model yet. So can you just do this other project where you already know it? Yeah. And I was working with Bob German at the time. Yeah. And, um, he and I sort of mentally started coming together talking about the fact, well, he, it was sort of he who, he, he laughs about it today, but it's like we knew the SharePoint framework was coming somehow because we were talking about, you know, they're, they're going to have to come up with some other way to do this JavaScript yeah. injection instead of content editor web and script editor web parts. And so we kind of started talking about, well, how can we future-proof those solutions so we can write client-side solutions, but they're a little bit more stable? Like mm -hmm. we have a deployment theory and we're... and, and um, you know, we're thinking these things through. So I ended up going right from farm solutions to client side solutions for our clients right. where we were future proofing. Yeah, 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 and so yeah. we were talking future proofing in, you know, the 2014. Basically. So rather than kind of buying into the provider hosted solutions yeah, we in the sort add ins world, it. you kind of just jumped I skipped that. it. Yeah. yeah. So I've actually never deployed, I've written them obviously at this yeah. point, but I've never in a, at a client ended up deploying one. And there was a, just didn't a bunch of devs like yourself. Yeah, Mark. Marks, yeah, yeah the plural. marks. Mark yeah. Rackley, Mark Hansen. Yeah, and, with you know, the C and the K. We used to tease them a bit on, you know, we well, are not real developer because you're all client side and yeah. just writing this cute and JavaScript have, stuff. They're having the last laugh. And they definitely have made me eat my hat physically in yeah. person yeah. Um, for this now it's new a, world of SPFX with all the JavaScript yeah, and, and everything I mean, else. hey, SP services, it's still... It still works. Uh, yeah, I, and, and there's a lot of it running out there <laughs> yes. from the telemetry I've seen. Yeah, too. I've seen that telemetry too. Um, and so uh, the future proof thing has been top of mind for you guys for, uh, I mean, we're now in 2018. Yeah, I mean, um, Bob and, and I wrote the widget wrangler, kind of, and that was our right. sort of foray right before yeah. that dev kitchen. We had finished writing the widget wrangler and showed it to Vesa. Yeah. And he was like, well, this is awesome. Let's mm -hmm. put this in the PMP. So it, yeah. it ended up in the PMP, and we're kind of like, and then we go to Dev Kitchen, we're like, 
Yeah. This all makes sense This is exactly, yeah, it's all come together. And so what what made you think about future-proofing? Because there's platforms out there that the model has stayed the same consecutively for 10 plus years. But I guess, did you feel that when they... Uh, started coming up with things like sandbox solutions and then they moved to the adding model that you realized that the models would keep evolving and that you needed a way of not having your customers be frustrated. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's exactly that. It, it was sort of like, um, it, it's just, I don't want to say that there's unconscientious consultants, but as a consultant, you know, we felt very conscientious that we didn't want to sell our clients something that was throwaway you know we were sort of seeing that wouldn't last the next major server version right and that and that's what we were seeing you know these farm solutions wouldn't scale well you had to touch them almost every time you upgraded because something was different or didn't work or, or whatever it was and what bob and i sort of realized was that the client side code pretty much always works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it survived the versions. It survived the versions. And yeah. so we're kind of like, how can we do this so that as our clients move up, that stuff is just going to keep working for them and they're and they're not going to have to rewrite things over and over again. I'm, I'm going to borrow a story from CJ, actually, who obviously I worked with at Hyperfish and worked with, he was my manager at Microsoft as well before that. And uh, he runs the Microsoft Cloud Roadshow, yep. Cloud Show with AC. Yeah. Uh, we were talking yesterday here and he had one where he just got back off a three-week vacation, which I'm very jealous of. And he went back to New Zealand. And as part of that vacation, he um, met someone for a drink that uh, he used to work with back yep. in the day when he was in New Zealand. And the guy was like, I finally got rid of your damn site template. See? And it's 2018. Yeah. And this was a project. Uh, he hasn't lived in New Zealand for a long time. Yeah. That, at the time, that was the right thing to do with yep. site provisioning. You'd define a site template and yeah. have all your definitions in the Hive directory. I did um, hundreds of those. I had all the yeah. schema and define yep. all the list templates. And, yep. um, you know, I built tools that are open source that would take a list and generate the list templates. And different there was a lot yep. of stuff that people, the community invested back then yep. in, in pre-2007. Absolutely. And... And so he kind of reminded me of that. And I was like, yeah, there's, I'm sure if I went back to some of the gigs that I used to work on in the government departments in Australia, that they'd be, they're probably still using all the stuff we built yeah. back then too. But uh, it still runs if you stay on those versions of SharePoint. Exactly. But naturally, you know, you need to think about upgrading those things. So well, Whereas the JavaScript stuff seems to live on. Well, especially with the cloud. And that's yeah. kind of where we were thinking, you know, because we were seeing the writing on the wall because they right. had the sort of hosted 2013 whatever yeah Yeah, on a shoestring exactly yeah um so you know we knew it was there and you know they were people were talking cloud it's like oh we're gonna go you know it was sort of the buzzword it wasn't real most people weren't gonna consider going to the cloud but you you saw the writing on the wall you Mm -hmm. know if you um so we kind of knew we were going to have we weren't going to be able to do farm solutions. And I guess if it if and the customer's not ready for online and they're still on 2010 or they're yep. still on 2013, you can go in there and teach them in air quotes here modern development. Exactly. Uh, in a way that makes sense that when they do transition to SharePoint 2016 or um, SharePoint Online, that they can use what they've learned in the JavaScript world and take advantage of SPFX, for yep, instance. Exactly. And actually the sort of the in inspiration for the blog article that inspired the talk was that uh, I have a client who uh, is on SharePoint 2010. Yeah. Now hosted. 
in a, a, a rock space. Yeah. And they, he wanted something built for his company, but he very specifically was like, well, I think this might be able to be a product someday. You know, right. I really want this to be able to sort of, you know, uh, grow yeah, yeah, as yeah. we go. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is 2010. I want to write a client side solution for this because yeah. That's going to get me, you know, if he decides this is going to be a product, it could become a website. You know what I mean? Like it has legs to grow in the right way as long as it's architected properly. And so I took what I knew of SharePoint Framework and sort of said, okay. Right. What, what, which which bits of this? Which bits of this are going to work? So TypeScript for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, gulp and it, you know, sort of the dev environment, you know, mm-hmm. the task runners and stuff like that and web packing and, and SCSS style sheets and all of that kind of technology that's in SharePoint framework. I said, well, let's just apply this to the, to the tool chain I want to have. And, yeah. I, and, and then let's architect it in sort of the MVC style because well, I can separate the, my data, which yeah. I use SP services because right. there is no REST endpoints in 2010, knowing that I could just take that data layer out, plug in a REST version of it, and everything else will work. And let's face it, the SharePoint lists and libraries haven't changed in they haven't. 10 plus years right. of the version. So your data layer is not moving. It's really Unless only it the services layer. If I decide that that's going to be backed by a SQL server or yeah, NoSQL or whatever, I can Throwing just... space on it and... I, well, the interface is separated already. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is replace the data layer again. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the models are the models. And as long as I'm talking to the model, so it's just going to work. In that scenario with 2010, did you were you deploying things into the SharePoint site pages or yeah. were you a standalone application? No, I was deploying into SharePoint because yeah. it's baby, it was baby steps for yeah, him. Yeah, you know, yeah, he, yeah. Had con- he was starting from content types. Right, he had right. content types in a list and that's kind of how it was. And it's like, okay, but now he wants this fancy UX over the top of these lists, basically. Right, right. And so we're, you know, it's a da- Mark calls it database light. You know, yeah, when you yeah. have lists that you use sort of as database tables. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not really, but it, but it kind of is. It de- you know? yeah, I mean, yeah. for a lot of solutions, it just fits. It fits fine. So how yeah. did you do the deployment of those things? Were you still bundling all that code in and hosting it in SharePoint lists and libraries like yes. SPFX does? Yes. Wow, yeah, okay. Exactly. And so um, there's a there's a third party NPM package called SPSave. Um, so if you're on 20 2013, or if you have access to REST, it will actually make a connection and it's a, you can put it in Gulp and it, it define a task to deploy your code out. So as you change, if you have a watch going, right, of your code yeah. and you save your code, uh, it uh, TypeScript t- transpiles it, it bundles it, and then it takes that bundled file and uploads it into the library that wow. you pointed at. So Where you can was have that your eight years ago. I know, right? And so you can have your web page running and your code running, and, it just and you it literally at, you save and you can see it upload, okay. and then you refresh the page and you're seeing live. So That's you get magic. this debugging sort of situation that wow. you don't okay. get. You know, live because back in the day, you'd be building a WSP or a Sandbox Solutions right. package, and exactly. having to kind of understand schema files to ha- make sure you're declaring them all properly, and exactly. then likely when you're in the dev cycle, delete the site, 
and then recreate exactly. it, then redeploy just yeah. to make sure you're getting a good yeah. clean copy. So it just gives you this sort of like dev experience that you, you get with the SharePoint framework because, you know, you have the, the workbench or whatever. Um, and, you you know, you could go further with this. I didn't go further than just putting a content editor or web part on the page, pointing it at my file. Sure. And then as the file updates, I refresh the page. Yeah. That, that's a very simplistic model of it. But you could kind of build your own workbench. I mean, there's no reason you couldn't. But so I don't know that you need to, to go To summarize far. so far, like if people are listening and they're, at a, they're an enterprise dev like you were, mm-hmm inside an organization where maybe they aren't on the latest and greatest. Yep. They go to a SharePoint conference, they come to a SharePoint Fest. Yep. They see all this SharePoint Alliance stuff and they see all this modern development yep. that, that, you know, and if I was on this platform and it. they feel sad, they go yep. back to their work and they're like, oh, we're working on InfoPath still and we're building stuff with sandbox solutions. Right. What you're saying is is that there is a, a way to work where yep. you can be writing in these new language, Absolutely. modern languages I'm using on the, the old platforms. Yeah, the most – well, that's I think that's the beauty of TypeScript, right? You yeah. can target to the browser that you want to transpile to, right? Yeah. So you just pick the ECMAScript version that your browser in your organization is going to support and that the version of SharePoint you're using is going to support. You target that, and you're writing TypeScript in the latest and greatest version of TypeScript, but you're targeting – the browsers and and browser version you need to run it okay. and that is the power, right? So if you do that, then your code can run on those servers and later, depending, assuming you think through the architecture a little bit, mm-hmm. like it's not just to throw the code against the wall. You, yeah. you kind of have to think it through a little bit. But as you um, decide to move forward and, and, and migrate uh, your solutions up, you can just change the build tool. Take lift and shift your code right into SharePoint framework and you're off and running if you're going from 2010 to Office 365. And and with that particular customer, I'm not sure how much you can kind of go into it, but how did you take them from being familiar with SharePoint and kind of the more natural way of developing on 2010 or customers you've been naturally working with in 2013 and upskill them into the stack? Because I have seen this journey and this is a great opportunity to say, Go take Andrew Connell's. I was actually just—I tell people that all the oh, time. Oh, you do? Yeah, okay. I do. And I mean, it's not just because I know AC yeah. and and um, you know certainly want him to succeed. His courses are amazing. Yeah, I use them. Yeah. I mean, I know what he, I'm doing, and I he use taught them. me SharePoint in 2007. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, he yeah. knows what he's doing, and he knows how to teach people what they're doing. Yeah. So I definitely—it's um, it, interesting because somebody at the conference this week sort of came up to me, and they're like, "Well, we're trying to hire a dev that's going to help us." You know develop for uh, SharePoint online and so you know maybe you can help us you know uh, hire that per- you know mm-hmm. like interview people and I'm like I certainly can do that, I said, but I think what you really want to do is just find somebody open to learning new things that it has familiarity with modern web development yeah, yeah and yeah. then give them Andrew's course yeah and away they go pretty much. Yeah. yeah, You know, um, you need to, I think that the only other skill you really need as a SharePoint developer is to understand SharePoint. And I, if you're open-minded and want to do that, then you, the sky's the limit. If you're you're the, if you've got the bad, like SharePoint sucks, I'm not going to write for SharePoint. If you've got that attitude, just don't. And and you know, you still learn. And I think with the evolution of where SharePoint's gone now as 
kind of uh, having a sister now with Microsoft Teams, yeah. um, you know, it changes the world and the outlook on what SharePoint is and how it can hook into other scenarios as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's definitely exciting to be a dev in that space. There is still a stigma, I think, with SharePoint with Huge. other development communities, Huge. Um, which I'm not sure whether they are breaking through just yet. But um, I think Office 365 yeah. as a platform is maybe helping that, yeah. right? You it's know what true. I mean? Because there's, you know, the whole Azure stack, which is, I mean, well-respected, right? Yeah. You know, if you're developing and using Azure as your hosting solution, yeah. uh, if that's the right term, there's respect there. You okay. know what I mean? So I think because there's those integrations with these tools and they're, you know, they're almost becoming ubiquitous in yeah. the enterprise that will break it down. You know what I mean? But uh, you're right. It still has a stigma. So how, how do you, I mean, TypeScript seems to have evolved a lot in the last few years, but there is definitely this learning curve when you start looking at it of, wow, this is very different to what I'm used to if I've come from a client side JavaScript world. If Yes. If you come from client side JavaScript, that that's a bit of a, that's like a leap. It's basically putting... I guess not training. Well, I guess they are training wheels to a certain extent because it's driving you down a certain way of writing your code that yeah. before in JavaScript you could write. Well, it's putting structure yeah. against something that was sort of yeah. structureless, right? And and if but if you come from C sharp or any you're, other managed right. programming language, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah this like is this the way is, it should this be. Is, this is how it's like JavaScript grown up. Yeah, it's really hard, I think, to wrap your head around. This, so Mark and I have had this conversation a lot because he doesn't hasn't written much managed code at all. He comes purely from the JavaScript uh, standpoint, and his biggest struggle was, why do I need to write an interface? Yeah, this is such a yeah, it's like extra work that I don't want to do. Yeah, it, it's and it's it's kind of like writing test cases, right? That's mm -hmm. another one that people are like test cases, but I'm writing code. Yeah, my code works. This is yeah. fine. I'm basically writing two times the code, yeah. right? Just to write good test cases. And it's not really about the fact that you have to do more work. It's about making sure your work is better faster, right? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? You don't make silly mistakes or, or, or bugs that are almost impossible to find because yeah. it's like a casting issue or, a, right. or whatever it might be, you know, the triple equal. I think thing. The, the best thing that it did for projects that I've worked on in, in turning was at Microsoft were that when you get other people jump in and start changing it, yeah. it catches the problems quicker and exactly. often it's casting. Yeah. Often it's just not knowing, having to jump around and learn the code a bit more because you don't get the IntelliSense on objects that you do if you've got TypeScript on and you're inside something like Visual Studio Code as an IDE. Yeah. It, it, I think it's that those twofold things, right? It's the uh, catching things before uh, it goes out so that you, you're not missing things that you just can't find until yeah. there's a bug right, you're that in is so obvious. Yeah. You know, you're like, but now I got to go find out where this is happening. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard. And then the thing that I mentioned earlier is the transpiling into any browser. Yeah. That's, I think that's like mic drop, but that's what I want. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And that, that, because if you're writing JavaScript, you've got to like write three or four versions of your JavaScript just to make sure or add in um, um, some of the the uh, the libraries that help you backward compatible your JavaScript. But yeah. it's, that's hard and annoying. And why well, would you want to do that? Where you know? do you send teams you work with on these consulting gigs to kind of ramp up on TypeScript? Like where is a kind of a, the ultimate course for that? 
<laughs> uh, get it, your hands dirty. That's, yeah. that's what I tell people. I'm yeah. like, just start, you know, there's a lot of online tutorials. Bob has one that he shares with people. Yeah. Um, it's in, it's in our, uh, slides there a resource where he sort of walks you through that kind of stuff yeah uh, it's sort of in my mind it's get your hands dirty um i haven't actually seen anything formalized about that there i'm was, sure there's some i had the immense pleasure of seeing anders hansberg i always get his name wrong oh. he's the founder of typescript yep was the founder of pascal i believe oh, as well okay. yep um and we saw him at an internal event and he came on stage and he basically said look i don't do slides i'm just gonna do this from scratch and he stood there with, at the time, was a unseen version of Visual Studio Code and um, built an app in TypeScript from scratch and talking at the same time. Wow. Didn't pause for a breath, wow. didn't pause to change his code. I can't do that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, my Lord, I'm in the presence of greatness yeah, right now. Yeah, I can't even do that when I'm, like, private in my jammies and my right. computer. I'm like, fuck, so, Google. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah that's right. how I write you that. Right, you're copying, pasting a lot yeah, between different environments. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I think, actually, I think probably the, the way that I got, um, and this is how I learned React pretty fast, like got ramped up on Re React really fast, is I ended up on a project where there was all this code already, yeah. written. So you so had to go de just, decipher it. Yeah. And, and I'm just extending it. Yeah. So I'm learning as I'm extending. Yeah. But because I don't have to architect from scratch, mm -hmm. I know what the pattern is supposed to be. So now I'm just following the pattern. Right. So I think for first goes at yeah. anything, go to the PNP. Yeah. And look at what they've built. Download some of the stuff that got built already yeah. and decipher it, you know, like take it apart and, and check it out and see how they did it. And, I think that's probably. And the so we've got way. this kind of like the the node stuff, and then the TypeScript on top of that, yeah. and then you add the React framework on top of that as well. And yeah, I think. Yeah, and you don't have to, I suppose, yeah. but I, I, you know, I was an Angular person. I came from well, Angular JS. So yeah. I, I should preface it, um, and it it's great when you're writing sort yeah. of the spa, you know, when you're, when you need the services and you, you know, all of the, the whole stack, right. Yeah. You're, you're writing the data layer and you're doing the models and services and this and that and the other thing. Yeah. So if you're writing sort of a big, not big necessarily, but a full, a full MVC style mm -hmm. solution, then Angular is like awesome. It, yeah. It's so robust. The, the deal with like writing a SharePoint framework, and I think the thing that finally clicked for me is they don't, all of this stuff for the data layer is already part of the SharePoint framework. Yeah. You know, like the HTTP client. Yeah, you're now, not already building that kind of stack. Is already there. Yeah. So why would they need the weight of, you just don't need the weight of Angular. Yeah. Now, now there's Angular elements, and that's sort of the new thing coming out that sort of lightens the load, right? Yeah. You, you get to pick exactly what you need, and that's all that gets compiled and, and bundled in. I'm not here to argue whether that is good or bad, yeah. but Microsoft picked the direction for their first-party web parts. Yeah. And React is on the page. Yeah, and it's so kind of fascinating because I kind of back I then, stopped arguing, you know. Yeah, back then I was in the marketing team for Office Dev, and I was working closely with um, Dan Kogan and uh, Chax. Yep. And uh, you know they we, we'd had a lot of discussions around where it was going, and when they came to uh, us, it was CJ and I at the time, and said, you know, we we've got these prototypes; they're all in React. And I'm like, well, but the industry is not there. Like, it's all in the Angular world. Yep. 
and they explained the stacks. And at the time, you know, I was like, I, I just don't see this. This is not going to, you know, we're not going to get much momentum and ramp up here because there aren't React developers out there. Yeah. And, you know, to their credit, and again, another chance where I had to eat my hat, yeah. was, um, you know, React has come up from pretty much nowhere against Angular. If you look yeah, at, I mean, the turtle I, in the hair. I've still it got the slides. <laughs> I've still got the slides where, you know, you'd show Google searches of Angular and React. Yep. And the popularity was completely inverse of where it is yep. now. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that was another moment where I was like, okay, that's incredible to see, you know, they pushed hard on that and believed in that was the right way to go and stuck to it. And I, I can't say I like it favor. though. I mean, I'm, I'm going to still I, stay there. I, I, I really don't like it. Why? 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 Because you think in inverse. Yeah. Like if you come from doing like I come from ASP.net and mm -hmm. all, well, although it is actually a little bit like ASP.net, actually, yeah. if you think about it, it's like, so I hate, I didn't like it when it was ASP.net. I don't like my code to have HTML in the middle of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think of my mind works in that I look at the HTML and I kind of, it, it envisions how it looks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, I yeah. need to kind of see all the HTML at once. In one place. And when it's broken up like that, I can't, envision how it's going to look on the page. So I find mm -hmm. it much more difficult to yeah. write React, not from the perspective of components and state and, and, and that kind of stuff. That's not the hard part. To me, the hard part is envisioning what I'm building mm -hmm. when my HTML is these tiny little bits and pieces throughout right, the Right, rather than it kind of being yeah. one, one and, and the, package. And the TSX files help that a little bit. So there is, you can write React where your, um, your HTML is literally a string in line, mm -hmm. or you can, um, you can add these, uh, files that are called TSX. That things. you almost like includes. That they They're point like to. includes of the HTML. And yeah. so that makes it significantly easier. And you, mm -hmm. you end up with code still on that page, but it's a little more separated because you, the TSX component has a render function that all your, uh, your HTML is in, and then you can kind of sprinkle some uh, code through the out that like ASP.NET. So it's a little better, but it's still backwards in so my head. There are a lot more files when you go down this path of generating a solution yeah. like that. So yeah. how do you take all those files and package them to then flip them into a... Uh, you know, a, a, a test or a production server. Yeah, so that's learning Webpack. Okay. It's basically what that's about. And it, it, it's about, um, so if you're in TypeScript, it's about imports. And um, if you're in JavaScript, the equivalent is require. Although they work, they both work. Um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting. Anyway, because, well, the reason they work is because JavaScript is TypeScript, right? Mm -hmm. TypeScript is TypeScript, but JavaScript is TypeScript. So all JavaScript is TypeScript. Yeah. So that's what the whole not managed code, you know, transpiling versus compiling is all about. Anyway, the, the point being uh, that once you have all those files, you need to give the bundler, in this case Webpack, a path through the code so that it knows what files you need. And that happens in TypeScript via import statements. So you, at the beginning of your file, you say what other files you need, what components or uh, classes or um, uh, uh, modules that you need from other files. Mm -hmm. And so you, you're basically building a path through them and Webpack takes that and creates uh, the, the map of how your, um, your components all work together yeah. and builds one big file. 
right. of, of modules. Okay, and then you can just push that out. So And then that one big file has everything in it. And that's what's really, it's a little bit of a head scratch. You're like, really? My graphic file is in my Webpack. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your JavaScript is in the in the file. Yes. My uh, HTML is in the file. Yes. It's my CSS is in the file. Yes. It's all there. It's stringifying it and bundling it all together into one file. Now that doesn't always make sense. It depends on how big your solution is. And so Webpack is this monster of a solution. I mean, I think you could probably have a, if you were in a big development group, you probably could be like the Webpack guy that figured out how to, you know, modularize things out and and be in charge of the whole thing. It's that big of a beast but at its most simplistic form you can basically say i need a bundle and i want to include all my typescript and i want to include my images and i want to include my um, css and i want to include my um, html and you configure your webpack config file up and then it will bundle it based on that configuration file and then it just you can just push that off to a and then you take that one file and push put it out there and you're good to go it's all there it's all bundled together. And Not to say that you can't have external references. You can, and that's often useful. And so how, what's the, I mean, you do a session here where you go through this in detail. Yes. But do you have any blogs or uh, tutorials that someone could follow to like kind yes. of build this? Yep, yep. So I wrote a, a, a multi-part blog series um, that is... Um, well, you can put it in the podcast notes because mm-hmm. that'll be easier. I'm not going to be able to give the yeah, URL. Yeah, read but out the URLs. Yeah, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Someone anyway. will be driving and trying to write it down <laughs> and post it. Let's not do that. No. If you're driving, do not Focus write the URL on the down. cars in yeah, front of you. Please don't do that. Stop texting. Uh, yeah, no texting and driving. Uh, no looking at your phone either. Um, so this blog post is a, a three-part blog series that sort yep. of takes you step by step through ramping up slowly, right? So I don't throw the whole thing at you at once. It's like step one. Okay, I just want to be able to um, write TypeScript. So let's start there. Okay, so I'm going to move to type. Okay, now I got the TypeScript. Now I want to add my bundling. Okay, how do I add my Webpack file? Yeah. You know, how do I get Node on my computer? How do I use Gulp? How do I... Um, how do I get my files automatically uploading using SP Save and Gulp? And what does mm-hmm. that file look like? That's so awesome. I sort of walk everybody through, okay, start here, then add a little bit, then add a little bit and, yeah. and get them to the end having a, a tool chain that's a light version of the SharePoint framework. Right. And then that means that, you know, SharePoint devs that are out there now can just start doing this. And a then when they finally get to SPO yeah. or SharePoint yeah. 2016 with SPFX yeah. that they can kind of be ready for it. Yep. And so then sort of what we're t- Bob and I are t- uh, doing a talk on this week is taking that idea where you are writing for classic SharePoint and then having a set of common code for the scenarios where you're sort of running in this hybrid scenario. And by yeah. that, I mean, uh, so the classic example of this is like the mega menu, right? Mm-hmm. So you, right now, Microsoft doesn't have a, a, me, you know, a, a mega menu or a um, global navigation yeah. menu or, or if you want a footer on every page, right? Mm-hmm. There's um, SharePoint Framework has extensions and you can deploy an extension to your tenant, and that will show up on every modern page. But the problem is even SharePoint sort of has an identity crisis at the moment that like all the admin pages, all the setting pages, they're still classic pages. And so if you deploy a SharePoint framework extension and you go into like the site settings yeah, page, you don't get that. they're not there. Yeah. And you're kind of like, well, 
that's a problem. We want our footer and our, our nav to be on every page. I don't care if I'm on the site settings page or, or the list settings page or whatever it is. Yeah. So, um, and this is sort of where Bob took my original starting point. Oh, and he kind of, it. He and I'd re- it. so I'd read that article by Bob, so yes. I didn't realize that this was connected. That's yeah, very clever. so that's okay. where the connect. He's like, "Oh, I read your article on the tooling. Yeah. I think I can take that and let's um, tie it together with the SharePoint Framework extension." Yep. And so he componentized. He took that idea and said, "Okay, here's the common code. This code would be the same whether I was going to put it in classic or modern." Right. And so in this case, it's let's say for nav. Right. It's the um, if if we're talking about react, there's a component that you want to bootstrap into a location on the page. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you're doing SharePoint framework extensions, there's a position top and you you take your your code, uh, your HTML and you you bootstrap it into that location. Right. If you're in classic, you can do exactly the same thing. And the common code is the react component that doesn't doesn't change just because you're in classic it's the same so all you need to do is have a boot bootstrap code for classic and then sharepoint framework extension and common code for what that header and footer is going to be right and And then you you deploy it as sharepoint framework you deploy it as javascript or script injection and guess what as you move through your pages the same nav you just got a different way of shoehorning it in it's very clever all right so we'll have to get that in the show notes if that's not um on your slide deck you've shared with me as well yeah so um that's super useful and i'm thinking everyone here is like excited now if they're not already on the latest and i've deployed it a couple different times and it's 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 awesome. It okay. works really good. Cool. So I've got three or four customers that are like, yes, that. And it doesn't really take that long. Once you have the model for how to do it, which we're, we're right. giving you away, we're sharing, once. you just take that. And yeah. there's a lot of different ways to manifest it. The example that Bob has, he's actually reading his nav items from a list, but I've done it where I said, oh, well, you just, we just want simple nav. It's just HTML and CSS. I don't need anything, fa- like I don't need it to be list driven. I'll just modify the HTML. So we take... They just, I just bootstrap in an HTML file. In and that it, case. so you've open sourced that. Is that part of PMP or is it a separate? Yes, it's part it of PMP. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's had the blessing of the PMP. Vesa. Vesa gods. Yeah, the Vesa gods. Dear Vesa. When he gets, I don't know how he has end enough time. I, I suspect that there's some weird time portal in yeah. where he is that makes him have a 48 hour work day. <laughs> I don't know how it works. So, He's like um, Santa Claus. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> he travels too much. He could almost be Santa yeah, Claus. Right. Um, so how do people, how will people get in? keep in touch with you with everything you've been blogging on like what's the best way to tap is, into yeah, Julia I'm online? the Twitter I'm okay. the Twitter person and That's so your the Twitter is way. JFJ 1997 why 1997 it, it's like a weird fact story oh really <laughs> yeah it's just is weird. it safe for TV no okay <laughs> Moving on. No, I'm kidding. Um, it was just in 1997 I, I had this, okay. this, like, I created the thing and put the date. Is you your know password JFJ997 you? no. as well? No. They, I'm going to start logging into your bank accounts and stuff. <laughs> no. I use one password like I was taught. Okay. And then you have uh, GitHub with GitHub.com, Julie M. M Tur- for Michael Turner. No, uh, Marguerite. Marguerite with Turner. With an I, yeah. I'm Swedish. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, um, yeah, so in the GitHub repo, um, it has all of my public samples for any blog post or That's any awesome. talk I've ever done. So you can go get 
There's great. lots of stuff in there for a awesome. lot of different things. And will you be at Ignite if anyone listens to the show wants to say hi? I will be at Ignite. I'm excited to go to Ignite. Cool. Yeah. Are you speaking? I'm not. I didn't I, really put in. No, I, and I actually think it was pretty hard to get on the roster. It was very hard to get on the roster, A, but B, I like being an attendee of Ignite. I know. I was just talking about this this morning. I went to build as an attendee. I yeah. hadn't joined or it rejoined oh, Microsoft right. yet. Yeah. That was like the week before. Yeah. And uh, it was amazing not right. having any commitments. Well, it's it's stressful. Like, yeah. To do the Ignite thing, I mean, I remember Sue was one of the, Sue Hanley, um, Mm -hmm. who a lot of people know, was one of the community reporters last year. Oh, that was intense. I think she was losing her mind. I did notice that none of them did it again this year. Yeah, surprise. Oh, I wonder why. I mean, it's great experience. Oh, it's it's wonderful, but it's a lot of commitment. Yeah, I I was seeing people like Alistair Pugin kind of be there, you know, dawn hours when we were setting up the booth and he was running around with a camera crew and I'm like, that's too much. Yeah. I, uh, on top yeah. of speaking commitments yeah. and stuff as and well. Even the speaking, you know, the, yeah. it's, there's a, it's at the highest level, you know what I mean? And I don't know if I want that stress. So yeah. I'm like, I'd rather go and take it in. Yeah, that's right. Know? Absorb. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Well, look, I appreciate you carving out some time today to talk about this and um, thank you. I'm, I'm sure people are going to love this show. Oh, good. And um, I'd encourage people to go to Twitter and uh, Julie's blog to learn a little bit more. And uh, yeah. if you saw Ignite, come say hi and yes, give her a high please. five because uh, oh, I'm sure you've saved a lot of people a oh, lot of pain and time. So. I hope so. so. But I'm sure that's why you do it, I'm guessing. Oh, I, I love it. Too. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's so fun to like help people. Excellent. I like walking around with like people who are in a different area. Like Mark and I are kind of mm-hmm. do stuff and walk around and like be able to help people from two angles too. Yeah. That's really fun. So yeah, different, absolutely. different brains. Yeah. Well, just different perspectives too, yeah. right? I come with the dev perspective. He comes with an IA perspective. It's, yeah. it's fun. Cool. Well, enjoy the rest of ShareFest, SharePoint Fest, and um, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. It was awesome. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.M365DevPodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. 